Wildcat Insider on K-Man continues, hour number two, still to come. K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor from Indianapolis, Indiana. Also the home of the national championship tonight. Is planning to be joining us. Also, if you missed the first hour, really good conversations we had with uh, former K-State wide receiver Mitch Running. His thoughts and memories. Uh, former K-State quarterback Matt Miller, who passed away late Saturday night at the age of 49 due to prostate cancer. Also spoke just moments ago with uh, K-State's Brian Smoller, who was on the call for two straight men's basketball games and the women's basketball game on the road at West Virginia. That K-State women's basketball team, man, I'm telling you, this team is legit. First time being ranked since the 2017 season. That's back when they had Brianna Lewis and Kindred Wiesman. Those were two pretty good teams uh, that those two teams, when they were juniors and seniors, solid made it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, but this team, I'm telling you what, this is a, I think this is a team that's going to go places that K-State women's basketball hasn't seen in, uh, well, I would say close to a couple of decades. And if you remember those teams uh, from a couple of decades ago, those were special. Those were big time. I mean, am I crazy to think that we should maybe start talking about potential uh, run for a, a, a conference championship with this team? Like, that's that's where I'm at right now. That is where I'm at with K-State women's basketball, and they're certainly special. I'm glad to see them finally uh, into the top 25 after fans have been begging for a couple of weeks to put them in there. They should have been in there a couple of weeks. But, hey, 25th now, hopefully climb the ladder after they beat ninth-ranked Iowa State on a Tuesday at 6.30. By the way, if you do want to hear the Jeff Mitty show, that'll be on our sister station, Sunny 102.5, beginning at 6 o'clock. We will have Chiefs Kingdom on tonight at 6 o'clock. The Kansas City Chiefs are the two-seed in the AFC, of course, and they will be hosting uh, Big Ben in the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that'll be a uh, 7.15 broadcast. Sunday night football here on KMAN. I did want to jump back to Matt Miller, and, and once again, I want to uh, thank Mitch Running for coming on to the show. He knew, uh, of course, Matt Miller very well. They played a couple of seasons together, especially in 95. That was a very special year for K-State. And to me, 95, a very pivotal year, for sure, for K-State football. That was a huge year. Because think prior to, to 95, you know, just how rough it was. I'm not, of course, counting, you know, 91, 93, 94, 92 was a little bit of a rough year, but uh, that was a losing record. But, you know, 91, K-State was, you know, top 25. 93, K-State got there in the top 25. But, you know, 95, K-State was in the top 25 all but one week, and that was after their first win of the year. You know, 95, K-State, that – what I remember most about 95, K-State, I mentioned this in the first hour – it was, you know, they were so good defensively. That Chris Canty, Purcell Gaskins, Mark Simino, Travis Oaks. I mean, first of all, that just that linebacker core was just completely full of studs. But what I also remember was K State three straight games. They shut out their opponents. They climbed as high as the number seven in uh, in the standings in the AP poll. They were getting that national attention. They played three top ten games, and they lost two of them. But they got that win over Kansas, who was number six at the time. And I mentioned that with Mitch Running. I was like, you know, you beat Kansas and Lawrence in 94. Team uh, the, the crowd rushes the field in Lawrence. 
And then in 95, the only top 25 matchup in Sunflower Showdown history, and the Cats get it done 41-7. to He said that game in 95 was very special, and a big part of that was Matt Miller, who was so pivotal in that game. He was on the money all night long. As a matter of fact, you know Matt Miller, if you take away anything from that 95 season, it should be about how accurate he was with the football. His career completion percentage – in 1995, was 62.7%. Today, you know, that was the record back then. Today, that's still third best in school history. His passing efficiency was ranked second, and it still is second in K-State football history at 152.6. To me, Matt Miller came at a very pivotal time for K-State because the Cats were getting attention. But they raised to another level while Matt Miller was here. And that's to a level where K-State was now in the conversation of the Nebraskas, of the Colorados of the time. And also, they were just now transitioning into the Big 12 because Matt Miller, his senior year, was the last year of the Big 8. But there's one thing that really stood out to me that really paved a way for future Wildcats. Now, Dell Miller was the offensive coordinator before the 1995 season. And that 95 year was the transition into Dana Dimmel. Dana Dimmel comes in and, and uh, Coach Bill Snyder and him, they kind of they switch things up a little bit with uh, the offense. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. You know, my, my memory of back then is a little bit foggy. I was only five years old. And that's why I'm asking you if you want to call in and chime in about your memories of that time about Matt Miller, the 95 season, 537-1350, feel free to call in. Because for those that really remember that time, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that time. But before then, K-State wasn't known for having running quarterbacks. I mean, this day and age, it's, you know, it's carrying over to the Chris Kleiman era, running quarterbacks is the norm. And it's been that way for a long time at K-State. Michael Bishop, L. Roberson, Colin Klein. I mean, we're just naming a few there, but there's been many others since. It's hard to think of a quarterback at K-State that can't run the football. All my life, that's what I've known. And that's what we've grown to love, is that dual threat type of quarterback. That has been a huge part of the success at K-State. You know, Matt Miller was a Davy O'Brien Award finalist. He was an All-American guy. And he played one, he was a starter for one season. And that one season was that big for K State football. He got K State to a top 10 ranking. They lost a couple of games, but they finished off the year with a Holiday Bowl victory, a crushing of Colorado State. And if they didn't lose the last game of the regular season to Colorado, you know, K State probably climbs into the top five of the country and they're going to a big time bowl game. But they lost by 10 points to Colorado. The other loss that year was to number two, Nebraska, in Lincoln, 49-25. to But K-State hadn't quite seen the running quarterback yet in Manhattan. Matt Miller comes in, and he doesn't put up you know the biggest numbers running the football. As a passer, 22 touchdowns, 2,059 yards. But on the ground, we had yet seen a K-State quarterback. I mean, you, you, if you look at numbers... Like Chad May, for instance. You'll have like a hundred and something carries technically, but it's like for two yards. 
Meanwhile, Matt Miller comes in, and he runs for 309 and eight touchdowns in 1995. That is something, you know, K-State has had guys that would run it in from a yard or a couple short yardage type of things. But for a quarterback to put up 309 yards, that's kind of laughable these days. But back then, that's a solid number, especially for K-State. Matt Miller, in my opinion, paved the way to what K-State football, especially at the quarterback position, is today. And he did it in one year. Because it, it, it laid a foundation. It paved the way for the Colin Kleins of the world to do what he did. That was huge for the future of K-State football. And Matt Miller was... Uh, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but he was kind of the guinea pig. Coach Snyder knew he had a good running quarterback. He had a guy with talent that didn't quite get his opportunity at Texas A&M. And so he comes to K-State. He sits behind Chad May for a year, got some experience. But then in 95, he shows off what he can do. And that's what I remember about Matt Miller is his ability to run the football and about how he set the tone for the rest of, for what I know, the last 25, 26 seasons of K-State football and the ability to run with the quarterback. All right, coming up here in a few moments, we're set to be joined by uh, K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor, who's in Indianapolis, Indiana. Also still to come, you know, K-State women's basketball gaining that, um, is gaining the attention, but they're not getting enough. Am I being selfish for that? I don't think so. I will explain coming up. But uh, coming up next, we hope to hear from KSAT Athletic Director Gene Taylor here on Wildcat Insider. Speaking of the KSAT women's basketball team, the Jeff Mitty Show coming up at 6 o'clock from Powercast Sports Grill. That'll be on our sister station, Sunny 102.5, hosted by Brian Smuller. Here on K-Man, we'll have Chiefs Kingdom at 6 o'clock. Mitch Holtz is hosting as the Chiefs now into the postseason. We'll be hosting the, uh, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers and what the coaches or what the uh, fans, I should say, are calling uh, the retirement party for Big Ben. Well, if it goes any way it did a few weeks ago, it's certainly going to be the last one there for Big Ben, at least for what it appears to be. We're now joined by uh, K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor here on uh, Wildcat Insider, who's joining us from Indianapolis, Indiana. What has that experience been like so far for you, Gene, being there for the national championship? Oh, it's been great. You know, obviously it's a lot of excitement, a lot of folks around. You know, this weekend there's just a lot of red everywhere. But, uh, you know, as part of the committee, you don't have a lot of work to do. You just kind of uh, get invited to things and have a few events to attend, but other than that, it's been pretty good. But uh, like I said, a lot of excitement. It's a little chilly here in Indy, but uh, it's all good. Yeah, I wanted to ask, Is this uh, since you are a part of this selection committee, did they roll the red carpet out for you? Are they, uh, maybe not so much the glitz and glamour, but they kind of celebrating what you were able to do this year and uh, kind of treat you as a celebrity? Yeah, you know, it, obviously they take care of you in terms of giving you, uh, you know, a little bit easier access to events and, and stuff that, uh, you know, you don't have, the general public may not have access to. Uh, they, you know, they take good care of you in terms of, you know, hospitality room options and, and just really when you check in, you get, you know, some extra benefits. But, you know, for the most part, it, you're just here to kind of enjoy uh, 
you know, kind of the, the last game of the year with your colleagues and the folks on the committee. And we had a really nice dinner last night with the committee members, the, the CFP Management Council, and, and then obviously uh, the president that are on the on the committee to, you know, talk about expansion. So we had a nice dinner last night, and uh, it's been good. I would imagine you're not allowed to pick a winner. You know, I, I certainly, what I want, and we all talk about it, is just we want a good football game. You know, sure. I don't have a, obviously, at this point in time, you hope that uh, it's just a good game and that in, you don't sit there at halftime and go, okay, it's time to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think both teams are really, really good. It's going to be interesting to see if Georgia can rebound from, you know, the way they got beat by Alabama in the SEC championship game. But and I think as a committee, we feel pretty good that clearly right now it feels like the two best teams in the country are playing each other. Yeah, even though an all-SEC national championship, a game we saw three years ago, isn't the on paper maybe the most fun to watch just as a college football fan that you've seen these two teams in the spotlight all the time, yeah, I would agree with you. The two best teams are certainly in uh, the national championship tonight. We're speaking with K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor here on uh, Wildcat Insider. Well, K-State actually played the last college football game of the season so far. Uh, until the national championship game tonight, and that was a win, forty-two to twenty over LSU. And I understand, um, you know, LSU wasn't at you know full strength. Some guys opting out for the NFL draft or for the transfer portal. But you mentioned it at the uh, at the uh, pep rally that you expecting K State go out there and kick some ass, and they certainly did so. How fun was that? <laughs> well, you know, it was fun. Obviously, I was really happy for particularly the seniors, guy like Skyler, that you know, to go out with a game like he had, be the MVP. You know, I think people forget uh, that we had guys out, too. I mean, we were down to a couple of, you know, basically our, our, our starting defensive line. Obviously, you know, uh, we lost some of those guys to, to either injuries. Uh, we were, you know, quite as depleted as LSU. But at the end of the day, you still look across LSU, and they're still pretty good. There's still a lot of good players on that team. They had some dudes. But I was just glad and happy the way we went out and got after them, you know, and, and really took it to them in, in, you know, basically all phases. So, it's a good win for us, good win for our program, and I think it you know, continues to maybe uh, create some excitement and momentum going into next season. It's moments like that, like you, you're happy to be down there on the sideline, because I know you, you could have the opportunity to just sit in the press box and just enjoy the game from upstairs, sit in a nice cushy seat and just chill out. But as an AD, with the opportunity to do that, is it much better to watch something like that on the field? Yeah, for me, I mean, I just can't. I get too nervous, and, you know, I get into the game, and some people see me, and I enjoy actually being on the field. I enjoy listening to the players. You know, sometimes you get a different perspective, you know, how they feel as they come off the field, whether they're really confident with how the game's going or, you know, if they know it's going to be a struggle. But I just enjoy being down there. It's probably the worst seat in the house. I mean, certainly the seats that you have are, you know, in a, in a suite or a regular seat are a lot better, but I just enjoy being down there. I enjoy part of the game. and. Uh, you know, like a game like tonight, I'll just enjoy sitting there watching it and not have to worry about who the winner is. I tell you what, though, I, that would have been a great game to watch the whole game from the sideline, just from the perspective of watching Coach Kleiman, because it, it felt like he was just fired up the entire game. There was an assistant that went to the end zone and celebrated with the team. That would have been fun to watch, but you were also right there when Coach Kleiman looked like he got a little bit banged up. What did you? Uh, what happened exactly there? Well, he was—he didn't get banged up. He just, uh, you know, kind of, 
you know, he's obviously, I don't think he eats much on a game, and particularly this game, you know, after I talked to him after the game, he said, man, I didn't eat all day. And I think what happened, he just, you know, you're, you're leaning down and you're, you're yelling and you're excited about the game, and he kind of stood up, and the blood just kind of didn't quite make it all to his head, and he got a little light on his feet and had to kind of get it down on the knee and catch a breath, and we told the trainers and medical staff, pumped some water in him and some Gatorade, and he was fine, but he just got a little lightheaded there for a minute, and and just I think for the stress of the day, but he was fine and he'll he'll be fine. But uh, yeah, he he does that. He gets fired up and uh, he was okay. Well, upstairs it was assumed that he just got maybe hit on the sideline or something after one of those scrums. I'm glad you cleared that up for us. So uh, Colin Klein, three days after the the bowl game, he is named the new offensive coordinator at uh, for K State. It was a pretty quick turnaround for that. What I want to ask you is, since he's now the offensive coordinator. Are we expecting him to be now also the quarterback coach, or do you know if Kleiman's going to go in a different direction there? No, I think he'll stay as the quarterback's coach. And, you know, obviously Collins has been a part of our program a long time. Uh, clearly we know what he was as a player, and he's been part of our coaching staff uh, for a long time. And, you know, coaches, uh, Kleiman's had a couple of years to work with him. And then, you know, after uh, Coach Messingham was uh, left, you know, then uh, Colin has been able to take over from an interim perspective and, so yes, it was a quick decision after the game, but Chris had a lot of time to spend time with Colin on a one-on-one from an offensive coordinator perspective. Had a lot of communication. He felt really good. I talked to him after the game. He felt really good about how Colin managed the game and the communication with the coaches during the game. And you know, we were down a couple other coaches too. So um, I think he was just really impressed and it felt really good about making the hire. And, we're very happy. I think Colin will be great. He's a great person, as I told him, and a heck of a football coach. Speaking with Case Athletic Director Gene Taylor, do you want to switch directions now to basketball, men's basketball, to be exact, who is right now 0-3 to start Big 12 play, but the last uh, couple of games, K-State has been shorthanded with players, uh, you know, seven or eight, depending on the game, and also, you know, Coach Henderson was pretty much left alone for the West Virginia game to coach it, and, and Coach uh, Weber, he mentioned in a press conference before the West Virginia game how he felt it was unfair that K-State has to go play in this situation. Are, are you in agreement with Coach Weber that that is kind of unfair conditions? Well, I mean, it's, it is what it is, right? I don't think we, we thought COVID was going to you know, get us like it has in the past. And, but everybody faces the same situation, and we all agree, coaches and ADs, uh, what the minimums would be to coach a game. And the minimums were six scholarship players and a, a full-time coach. Didn't say, you know, it had to be at least a full-time. Couldn't be a GA, couldn't be a you know, student assistant. So, you know, I know coach gets frustrated with that, and I think all the coaches do. But they agreed to it. They, you know, we said, do you want six or seven players? Do you want? And they said, no, six players and one coach is what we need, and that's what we did. So, yeah, I think it, you know, certainly didn't help our situation. I think, obviously, I felt really pleased with how those guys came out shorthanded and played really, really hard against West Virginia. I think they probably got a little rundown at the end, and, and then obviously with Texas. And both those teams are really good teams. So uh, hopefully we'll be back to full strength Wednesday night. Uh, in terms of players, I, I'm assuming we'll have most of our coaches back, but it, it is the, the conference policy, and uh, you know it is what it is. Yeah, how did you feel about Coach uh, Jermaine Henderson and also Shane Southwell stepping up and uh, – being the head coach for a day, I suppose, in those two games. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. You know, and sometimes, you know, coaches, as you know, a lot of them will do a scout for a game anyway. So during mm-hmm. the course of 
preparation. They've been doing a lot of that anyway, and I'm guessing Shane had the Texas scout, and maybe obviously clearly Jermaine had to do the, the West Virginia scout. So it's it's just they're playing a different role in terms of being the final guy that making the you know play calls or decisions and timeouts and that sort of thing. So I don't think it's a huge leap, and obviously they've both got a good great experience. And K State women's basketball, they are just one of the hottest teams right now that you can imagine. They they win two games this last week on the road in Big 12 play. They were down to eight players at West Virginia, but now they're finally ranked in the top 25. Do you think we've all kind of won one there with now them finally being ranked? Yeah, I mean, I you know I was a little surprised they didn't get ranked after the Baylor win. Um, but, you know, I, I, I understand that. They, we haven't been ranked in a while, so I think they're getting their due now, and, and people are recognizing. I mean, I know we've had a good team. You know, since I've watched them play, I really like the team, the way they're playing together. And you know, we've got a good mix of, you know, players that can shoot from the outside and, and those that can obviously get it into Aoki. And, and so I think we've got a good mix, and, and they're playing well together. And that's been fun to watch. They're a fun team to watch. There's no question about it. So will you, uh, after the national championship game, are you coming back to Manhattan, or uh, will you be attending uh, Deuce Vaughn's um I guess you call it a banquet for the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award. Will you be attending either events, talking about also K-State women's basketball against Iowa State? Yeah, I'm going to come back, and obviously we've got Iowa State and TCU this week. I'd love to go to uh, Deuce's event, but, and then I've got to turn around and come back to Andy next week for the in-state convention and mm. talk about the, whatever direction we're going in terms of the Constitution and all those things. So I need, I've been away from home too much, and I want to be able to catch our teams play basketball for a while and, uh, certainly very happy for Deuce and all the accolades that he's received really all year long and, and well-deserved, no question about it. Well, Gene, you certainly deserve the opportunity you're uh, having right now, and that's to attend a national championship game as a member of the uh, selection committee. So hope you have fun tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. That's Case Athletic Director Gene Taylor here on Wildcat Insider. We'll talk uh, K-State women's basketball when we come back. Mitch Fortner flying solo on Wildcat Insider. Well, that's not technically true. I mean, Big Steve is across the glass today. All I'm doing is pushing buttons, though. I haven't contributed yeah, anything, well, so yeah, you're well, still you have, solo. Though, you've, we've had three guests on the show that you had a call. That's contributing. That's okay. an assist. It's an assist. Okay. Plus 50 XP right there. And you're also in charge of uploading the audio to our podcast. You can find the game KMAN on SoundCloud and also search for the game KMAN on wherever you get your podcasts. I specifically get mine from Spotify, but you can go, if you have an Apple phone, you can get on your podcast app, search for the game KMAN. Where do you get your podcast, Big Steve? Typically Apple Podcasts, because most of the ones on there are free and whatnot, so... You know, free ninety nine is the best price to me. Well, I I already subscribed to Spotify, you know, so uh, you might as well use the entire subscription. Yeah, yeah, at that why point. not? You know, but uh, you can also from your Spotify app, you can subscribe to the game KMAN, and you'll get notifications on when we upload a new episode. We upload it by hour, which is actually by request. That came out a long time ago when. Uh, Fans were asking us, hey, could you upload it hour by hour or so? Because, you know, I got to work at 5 o'clock. I want to jump back and what I missed the previous hour, and I can catch up later. We're like, all right, yeah, 
I remember when we implemented that because it took me like a week to get used to doing that. Anytime I'd fill in, how many uh, how many listens do we have all time on on? Because I think it all gets tallied up on SoundCloud, right? Yes. Does that also include like the Spotify listens and all that? That's a great question because I think it does. And the last I checked, we're at like one point two million. It was always the plan. For when we hit a million listens, John was going to play, John Kurtz, was going to play a game of K-State, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Okay. And I was going to put up 100 bucks. If he could answer all 15 questions, I'd give him the lifelines. If he could answer all 15 questions, I'd give him 100 bucks. But we never got to it. Oh. Which is unfortunate. And I, I started drawing up some good questions, too. Really? Like some tough ones. Like it would have been K-State football and men's basketball questions. One of my questions was, when did K-State football move the bench from the east side to the west side? Mm. See, that's something you typically don't think of. No. When you think of K-State football history. But that would have been like the $250,000 question. When did K-State right. move the bench from the right side or from the uh, from the east side to the west side? What year did that take place? Five three seven thirteen fifty. If you know the answer to that question, I don't have anything for you. You get a congratulations, but you'll get yeah, you'll get a, a round of applause. We'll yeah. we'll clap for you right here in the studio. Again, the question is, what year did K State move their their bench from the east to the west side? Give me the year, and we'll give you an attaboy or at a girl. You could just call in and guess if you want. 537-1350. All right. I um I wanted you to squeeze in some time for K-State women's basketball. And I feel like this is going to be kind of a weekly thing because of how special this run is going to be. I was pitching two years ago that we need to start talking about this team a lot more. Because Aoka Lee is one of the most special players I've ever seen since covering K-State sports. I was covering him when Deb Patterson was the coach, and things at that time were on kind of a downward spiral. Deb Patterson obviously had to move on, and she went to Northern Colorado with Cami Etheridge, and now they're now they're uh, both at Washington State. Aoka Lee started her career with a knee injury and had to skip her true freshman year, and then a couple of years ago, redshirt freshman dominating. Last year, dominating. And this year, dominating. But the difference is she is not alone. Three freshmen have been so key to the success on this. Also, not alone there, Emily Ebert is having a big big year. We got a looks like we got maybe an answer to our question here. 537-1350 is our number. Purple Rick. Has a has a guest to uh, and the question once again, Rick, is uh, what year did the bench move from the east side to the west side? What is your guess? I'm guessing after the '97 season, but it was that's nah, probably sooner than that. And and on a different note, anybody that likes basketball needs to get to the women's games because the way they play. It's so much fun to watch. Agreed. I mean, they they play with good fundamentals. Their shooting is good. 
I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. Well, if you watch the game uh, this past Saturday against West Virginia, that they had to come from behind. They were down seven at the break, and they come from behind and just they're shooting lights out. And it's freshmen. It's these freshmen yeah. that are just killing it from three. Serena Sundell has been an absolute blast. She is going to be the Big 12 Freshman of the Year. She's got to be. She's earned Freshman of the Week three times now. Aoka Lee is going to be the Player of the Year. And not to mention the Glenn sisters are can do it all. They, they'll go and grab rebounds. They'll fight for the boards. They're great passers. And oh, by the way, they kind of become flamethrowers once in a while from three-point range. Purple Rick, I'm glad you, uh, you concur with the women's basketball team. Are you finally happy to see them in the top 25? Oh, yeah. I think... They should have been after Baylor, but then when they backed it up with a road win, um, you know, I just don't know why beating Oregon and, and, and Baylor wasn't enough for the voters. But who knows? Hard telling what games they actually watch, you know. So, by the way, I need I need your official answer. East side uh, or west side? Uh, let's go with ninety five, nineteen ninety five. That is incorrect. I know. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. 537-1350 if you want to take a guess. If if uh, if nobody else calls in, I'll, I'll mention the answer at the end of the show. How about that? I'll give you guys more time if you want to call in and guess uh, when that bench was moved over from uh, from the east side to the west side. But just to kind of continue, continue on what Purple Rick was saying, I mean, just in general, this team is a blast to watch. Early on, when you know the season was going on, and we were going to see these freshmen debut, Serena Sundell game one was just absolute money, and it's awesome to see this true freshman. You have three true freshmen, and I know this team has you know more talent. Laura Mackey, a senior, has been pretty big for the growth of this team. Emily Ebert is doing it all. She's she's a Swiss Army knife. But Serena Sundell, who averaged 13 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds last week. I mean, that's, that's a solid stat line, but she had 21 points against West Virginia. And in the first quarter of that game, didn't have any points. She had turned over the basketball four times, and she was struggling. Big 12 play has been a little bit rough on her start. She's had a lot of turnovers. But it seems like she's just completely broken out of that slump and just been a key contributor. And then you have the Glenn sisters, Jalen and Briley. Man, and those are those are a couple of girls that Jeff Mitty had been recruiting since they were in junior high and then had been key contributors from day one. And I want everybody to know, and I, we'll probably talk more about this tomorrow, I don't buy into the excuse... And I don't really want to call it an excuse. I mean, I get the frustration, but I don't buy in to being shorthanded, having eight or nine players as a key issue to not win basketball games. Jeff Mitty's squad has been shorthanded all season long. They've had 10 at the most. Their two biggest wins have come when they, when I say biggest wins, I count. I shouldn't say biggest wins. If you look at the biggest wins, it's Oregon and Baylor, teams that are in the top twenty-five or were in the top twenty-five. I don't believe Oregon is in the top twenty-five anymore. 
but there was twice this year that the women's basketball team went on the road and played against South Dakota State and then this last game against West Virginia. West Virginia, you know, just graduated a player who went in the, I believe, top five of the WNBA draft, but still is loaded. And they've, they've, they've had to play some of this year without one of their best players in Nyblack. But South Dakota State had also previously been playing without some of their key players and all of a sudden just got everybody back for this K-State game and is a force to be reckoned with because now they're playing really good and they have just dominated the Summit League and they are typically, a you know, it's NCAA tournament or bust. Yeah, K-State went into Brookings, South Dakota, was down seven or eight points in that second half and Serena Sundell and those freshmen brought K-State back from the dead and won that game. This game against West Virginia, at halftime, Aoka Lee has four points. She has one field goal. West Virginia did all they could to double-team Yoki and completely take her out of the game. And for that first half, it was working. Mike Carey, the head coach of West Virginia, had a great game plan until those freshmen went off. I mean, Jalen Glenn hitting six threes. Serena Sundell hit four and had a whole bunch of assists. The point I'm getting at here is K-State isn't just built for this year. They're, they are built for the future, and it looks like next year's recruiting class is looking really good as well. I just want the appreciation to be there. Do you know what I mean? I want there to be appreciation for what's taking place right now with K-State women's basketball. It felt like it feels like the true appreciation hasn't been around for 20 years. I can remember, I, I'm from Clay Center. Nicole Oldie is from Clay Center. It felt like the town used to shut down when Nicole Oldie and K-State played home games in those early 2000s. I remember a bunch of my teachers all had season tickets and they would all go to the games. And that was an awesome time for K State women's basketball going to those NCAA tournaments. Yet it seemed like, you know, they you know won a Big 12 championship, but they always peaked, you know, in the second round of the NCAA tournament, unfortunately. But what I love about this team so much is on every position of the floor, they have playmakers and they have the best player in the entire country in Aoka Lee. And coming up tomorrow night at 6.30, they'll be hosting the ninth-ranked team in the country in Iowa State, who has a Kansas kid in Emily Ryan, who was just named the Big 12 Player of the Week, coming into town, and Emily Ryan is not their best player. A player by the name of Ashley Jones is their best player, who is kind of up there with Aoka Lee when it just comes to points and assists. But Aoka Lee is a better player. Obviously, she's the best player in the country. But that's a huge game. That is one of the biggest K-State women's basketball games in quite some time. KStateSports.com, $5 tickets purchase purchase in advance. That's a huge, huge game for K-State And a win against Iowa State will no doubt about it catapult them in the top 25, at least you would hope. All right, let's take our final break of Wildcat Insider coming up next. 
If you missed the interview from earlier today with former K-State wide receiver Mitch Running, search for Mitch Fortner on YouTube. I uploaded the individual uh, interview. Make sure to like and subscribe. Also, if you missed the show entirely, you want to go back and listen, search for The Game KMAN on SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcasts. I want to send a big thank you out to Mitch Running, Brian Smoller, and K-State AD Gene Taylor for joining us uh, tomorrow. We're going to be live from 4 to 5, and then you will hear a number one song of the day and ask us anything um, and a replay of the Mitch Running interview during the 5 o'clock hour as I get out to Manhattan High Basketball. We we are expected to be joined by, once again, our co-host, David G., for tomorrow's show. For Big Steve, I'm Mitch Fortner. You've been listening to Wildcat Insider. Getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, KMAN.